What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain this podcast is with four-time AMP vet Eric Godsey, who you guys have come to know and love, and who has produced some of the most successful podcasts in the history of my podcast. And this podcast, like most of them, we couldn't even wait to get started as soon as he sat down. I mean, the mics were hot, and we just started talking about free will, talking about the way that the mind sets our own traps of our own delusions and fears and self-limiting beliefs, which really dove right into the core thing that we were trying to talk about which was this curriculum, and the curriculum being Go For Your Win. This is how Eric Godsey and I first met. I produced the Go For Your Win course thinking it was going to be a book, and I wrote 40,000 words, but like most things when you first start, it was a little ambitious because it covered so much ground. It covered finding your purpose, which is something that we've all kind of felt and known from when we were young, like what we were here to do, this calling, this call to adventure, this call to happiness, this call to fulfillment that so many of us have sacrificed, that we've allowed the rules of the world and the things that other people tell us to influence and affect that deep inner knowing that we have, that we're here to serve our medicine to the world in an incredibly fulfilling way. So the first module of this course talks about finding your purpose. It talks about understanding your mission. It talks about how your profession can support your mission. It talks about the connections that you'll need to harness and create to help support you in that process. And what are the techniques and tools and practices you can use to cultivate those different ideas? And then what fires you up? What gives you your passion? What allows you to have the vibration that becomes a force of attraction so that you can get all the support you need so that you can fulfill your purpose, so that you can serve your medicine to the greatest number of people. From there, we go right into module two, which is training the essential skills. How do you harness belief? How do you use choice as a weapon? How do you cultivate the toughness that you're ultimately going to need to withstand the rigors and the trials and the challenges that inevitably come from going for your win? Which, of course, leads into module three, which is tackling resistance. Anytime you're trying to go from where you are to where you want to be, you're going to experience resistance. So much of this resistance comes from our own minds, comes from our fears, comes from our attachments, comes from perhaps even our ignorance of just not knowing who we are, what we're here to do, and how to deal with these forces. Eric Godsey and I went back into this curriculum and rewrote it. We improved it. We revised it. We updated it to our current beliefs with all of the best tools, techniques, and practices. And now we are relaunching it as Go For Your Win 3. 
I know a lot of you were interested in the Fit for Service Mastermind, but this is an additional way that's far more accessible to everyone. It's a $99 course with a private Facebook group. Eric Godsey's going to be dropping in so that we can support cultivating a community and helping you in your process for going for your win, which really is a process. That moment you take that first step in going for your win, you're winning already because you understand where you're going and everything is just a step. It's all just one step closer and this provides the curriculum to get you that one step closer. I mean, that was ultimately the idea of my book, Own the Day, Own Your Life. It was how do you go through a day one step at a time making those best choices possible and this is the same thing but for your life but for your mindset but for your orientation but for your purpose but for how you're going to serve your medicine but how you're going to serve yourself how are you going to serve the world how are you going to live a life where you can look every day and say damn i feel like i'm winning like hoka hey i'm doing the very best i can at every moment and this course can help provide a lot of that information so I really encourage you guys to check it out. It's at goforyourwin.com and take a look. See if it's something that interests you. And I know that the community that you'll find there is a community of like-minded people that can really help support you. And that's so important because I hear from so many of you so many times, like, how do you find people? How do you interact with people who have these similar ideas and things to talk about and similar goals and visions and mindsets? Well, you can join a group like this and you can follow a curriculum like this. You can become the person that you've ultimately wanted to become, but that's all on you. You have to take the steps. This is just a curriculum, but the practices, the exercises, and the orientation towards these common goals is going to be extremely helpful. So please check this out. If you haven't already, go for your It's only going to be open for a limited amount of time. We do this in classes, so this is going to be class three. So you guys will be a tight group going through this whole thing together. And I really can't wait to meet all you guys, to drop in, to see what conversations come up, and learn ourselves. Because every time we make an iteration, we put our most current knowledge, our best efforts, to make sure that this is the best course that we can possibly provide. So once again, please check it out, goforyourwin.com. Thank you, everybody, so much love, and enjoy this podcast. And then it's like, do I have free will, man? Yes, just depends on your identification of I. Touche. Yep. <laughs> Done. All right, got it. My ego does not have free will. It feels like the ego can choose whether or not how much it wants to resist its submitting to the higher eye. Right. And the higher eye, yeah, it just feels... Higher eye is just like a strong wind. You know, and it's like way easier to listen to it. And eventually it can go fucking hurricane style for sure and slam a fucking tractor into you until you listen, you know. But like, usually it's a wind and you can listen at the wind level or you can listen at the tornado or the cat five hurricane yeah. level or, or the you, truck on the road level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. whatever. It's going to blow mm. in a direction. And you, it's your opportunity to dance, to furl or unfurl the sail as you choose to resist or row against it or whatever you want to do. But yeah, surrendering to your divine will, that is, and your true self will. And I feel like that's, that's been the lesson that I've been called to face since I started working here. Is like before this, I thought it was the ego. I thought it was my choice. I thought it was, you know, do the things that I want to do. And since I've gotten here, it's like the, whatever the energetic flow is, it's it's so obvious that like I have to be playing a game with myself now to 
even identify with the idea that like I'm choosing this. Mm-hmm. The ego is choosing this. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I just kind of have to submit. But then in the submitting comes the grace that makes the higher eyes will come easier and quicker with more fun. You, you yep. And then people get it twisted because they think in the submission there's a kind of sloth. Right. There's like a laziness. Oh, <laughs> no, there's not. Man. Like when you know what you need to do, that may mean that you're actually working harder than you've ever worked, working more. But you know why you're doing it, so you're propelled by this kind of inner energy source yeah. without the resistance to it, without the doubt, without the mental machinations that fucking chew us up like some big league chew (laughs) you know like constantly like and without that then we have a lot more energy to actually put forward to what we're doing and i smoked some weed last night and then i got to thinking about the quote that you talked about where it was um the truth will set you free but not until it's finished with you Mm -hmm. and uh kind of this image that i saw so i've had experience on psychedelics where i feel like i come up against this truth capital T truth that my ego is, I'm still not at a point yet where I accept it. And it's almost like I come up to a point and then I can't go beyond because I'm afraid and then I have to come back down to my body and this life and this ego. And it's it feels like the whole point of the game is to bring this vessel to a point where it's able to accept the capital T truth that feels like it's gonna be at the end of my life. And it feels like once I accept it, it's gonna destroy this thing yeah i mean that's that's what paul selig's teaching in his latest book beyond the known realization is about like realization isn't gentle because it's surrendering the identity structure that the ego has built and clings to and defends as if it's fucking life or death as if it's real and when i asked him on the first podcast asked him is the ego itself an entity of its own accord is it an entity and the guides were like yeah you could think of it that way so it's actually like you have to think of the ego not just as this part of yourself but almost a part of yourself that is so defined and in such defiance of the unicity of all things that it forms the energy of an entity itself and that entity has the same fucking primary drive of all entities which is to survive and so a surrender of that entity because ultimately it isn't built upon any structure other than the separation and the denial of what it really is so that's what so like to let that go is a is a death that's why they call it ego death and but you're the ego when you identify as the ego and it's fucking gets really it gets really challenging and painful and the thing that comes up like i can't shake this construct of how i look at what the ego is but it feels like like whatever consciousness is, it's experiencing through the lens of the human meat suit. And it's like the avatar of the human meat suit is the ego. And so with the rising and the falling of the energy that goes through the hardware of the meat suit, it can change how the ego feels. But that that capital T truth at the end of time is like the meat suit's going to be gone. The ego's going to vanish with it. But it just... It feels like there's a thing waiting at the edge of time that is going to um, destroy me if I'm able to accept it. But like, there's this really interesting idea in the Bardos, which is um, kind of a mystical book in the East, and it's this idea that when you die, you will you will confront this thing, and if you have any attachments, 
you fail that test. And then there's this in-between space where you get an opportunity again. You've already died. You've had the first encounter. You've failed if you've had any attachment to wanting to come back to this life. And then there's this like in-between period in the spirit realm. This is what this book says. And then you get to confront the thing again. And if you fail again, you get reincarnated. And so the idea in the East is that anyone who is still here is people who have met the thing at some point and weren't able to pass through that gate. It sounds very like, to me, from what I understand, and just talking to the to Selig's guides and things like that and reading reading his work, sounds a little bit like in the gamification, anthropomorphization of sure. what we typically do about passing or failing a test and punishments and rewards. Yeah. I think it's a lot more choice than I think we realize. I think there is that divine will of ourselves our spirits choice to come back and learn and experience yeah. you know and like when he talks about the guides like what do the guides miss because the guides have you know in his teachings again um and i'm and if you're skeptical of selig's work like uh, all respect to For you sure. like you know i tend to you know give it a it lot resonates. of veracity resonates with me when he talks about the guides who have formerly taken lives you know talks about what they miss they, they miss the rain on their skin they miss the touch of a lover's lips yeah. they miss the way that you know coffee smells in the morning you know they miss Absolutely. like whatever they miss these things they miss the sunlight you know tickling their body they, sure. miss, they miss these things and i think there's also things that they have to learn and lessons that they have and they may have transcended the lessons but i think there's also that choice like you know what i just fucking i miss the shit i miss the struggle i miss the, the challenge game. i yeah. miss the game i miss the pleasure i miss the pain i miss the gamut of experience that's available so let's go you know and i think the more you have to learn i think the more that your spirit wants to evolve and wants to grow and wants to learn these yeah. things so the more eager it is to incarnate but i i just feel like there's a lot more choice involved than this i think it's people feel like we're in like a rock tumbler you know and it's like right, whoa right, when right, is right. when am i going to get spit out when is my bingo ball going to get spit out into the reincarnation game and am i going to be a fucking turtle this time like <laughs> like it's some random shit i don't think yeah. it's that i think it's a game of evolution you're evolving the coagulation of your consciousness you're imagining them as particles of light or vibrations of sound like this magnitude you're gathering that with education in the colors and the frequencies and everything that you're gathering the lessons you have to learn goal being to try and expand yourself you know to the biggest brightest form that yeah. you can and most most robust form that you can and you have to fit inside an organism that can <laughs> hold that thing yeah. at least tentatively mm. at least tenuously so it's not like we could come back and reincarnate as a fucking butterfly right because we how are we gonna fit all this light that we've so accumulated all these accumulated lessons mass of energy has yeah. to go into higher and higher like complex containers exactly it has so to fit this begs the question when we make ai like will the next round of entity things that choose to come will they inhabit or are we just getting way too down the what if rabbit hole you know because the ai would be a container of such complexity beyond at least we're making a lot of assumptions about like what ai is and what we are like i think that our idea of what we are is really simplified and we we don't quite see the magic of what this container is and that we're thinking that if i you think make that's the fallacy i think that and that's what you know when duncan trussell asked 
Paul Selig on his first, I don't know how many podcasts they've done, but he yeah. asked the podcast, asked him on the podcast, The Bell House, which was the first one I heard about AI. Mm-hmm. The guides were basically saying like, you're underestimating what it is to be a human. Mm-hmm. You think I, that I resonate you're, with that so You much. think that you're a computational being, you know, but you're not, yeah. you're so much more than that. Like the, the divine spark, the mudra of creation, right. your soul, distinct from your spirit, sure. your soul, which is your piece of the unicity is unique and is not irreplicable by a machine, you know? So right. like as advanced as we think the computational powers mm-hmm. might be, which will far exceed our own computational Absolutely. powers, actually computers are better at computing you know, for the most part yeah. than us anyways. I don't know if they're beating the best chess master yet, but they for sure fucking will. I'm pretty sure that they are. And they even beat the best Go master, which is a much more complex game. And yeah. they, uh, yeah, so they're, and it's, they there's win a reason why we call it computing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, the, yeah. so they're already winning and they're gonna keep winning, but that's not who we are. Like, that's not the the spark. And I think this idea that we can create the spark, I think is a denial of what that thing is, yeah. what that piece of, you know, the piece of the the all of source of the mudra of all of that that we contain and how fucking magical that thing is and uh someone mentioned this the other day and it totally kind of rechanged the way i thought about ai and it's that humans in their psyche tend to have it we might not realize but we have a dialectical experience happening inside of us where there's something inside of us that is not the conscious mind that most specifically through dreams, but there are other ways it conversates with the ego. Like it can show you things in dreams you don't know you know. And so like, how? So there's something happening in the psyche that's not computational where a computer can only be given the instructions. It can't really have a dialogue with a second entity Mm. where that entity teaches it. Like a human has to tell it what rails to go down yeah um, conscious versus unconscious mind like try to program that oh, like, it doesn't yeah. even fucking make any sense yeah like i mean you could program some of the facial behavior of holding a secret because of the social cues right. or whatever but that's not it's not the conscious and the unconscious or subconscious or it's, you know there's so much interplay between like conscious mind subconscious mind unconscious yeah you know spirit and then soul and then all of these parts, I mean, this is this is what I'm looking to write this next book about is like helping people navigate like what the fuck is the human mind and how do we wrangle this thing and how does it interplay and dance with the spirit and with the soul and how does all the tools that we have available from meditation to flotation yeah. to psychedelics to all of these practices and then also software programs like stoicism and different things, how do we reframe so that we can get a handle on this thing and really start to enjoy this fucking life. I feel like that's my life's work. Like I'm going to try to work on that my entire life. It it feels like it's uh it's one of those things that the more I study, the more it's just like I have to bow before the the awe of the task itself, you know, like is the human mind capable enough of understanding the human mind or is is the conscious mind capable of understanding the psyche you know like is the piece capable of understanding the whole you know mm. and probably not but we could probably give people a better map than what most of people 
are working. Yeah, with now. I mean, I think we, I think we have to reduce it to the minimum effective approximation. Exactly. You know, exactly. which is basically what you do with the body as well. You know, like, do you understand the complex metabolism of nope. an avocado? Like, <laughs> I mean, some people do. You know, but like most people it took don't. Like ten years. Yeah. <laughs> most people don't. Yeah. You just need to know, like, okay, avocado, good, good. <laughs> you know, like exactly, good. Yeah. And, and good point. Yields yields health. You know, healthy fats that my system can utilize, metabolize, and slower yeah. than you know. You can start learning some attributes about it. I think that's what most of us are going to get to. But I think there will be a convergence where we'll start to know most of the knowable things. But I think the the trickier and more interesting part is when you start to explore like awareness, consciousness, spirit itself and start to understand that because that inherently is occupying a different dimensional metaphysical reality sure. than the reality that you're, you know, stenographers and fucking whoever else cartographers exactly. and everybody else is Making trying to maps. map this shit yeah. out it's not in that reality you know like it's not in the reality that has words and pencils and shit and like that so it's going to be an approximation anyways that's the gift of like any experience that helps you as the individual just make that just take that step back where your life and the language and the structures that that's the map and that once you start to, to connect with like awareness or experience or spirit, you're now seeing the forest. Like, you know, like m most people experience the world through maps, like maps of the forest, as opposed to actually going into the forest. And mm -hmm. I think that going into the forest is like you living your life, you experiencing your feelings, you witnessing the maps you are creating almost unconsciously to try to help you either avoid punishment or find pleasure and it's it's you know it's it's life-changing yep speaking of life-changing uh let's talk about go for your win maps yeah this because is, this, this is was the best map i've it, it changed my life man this is and that's you know an amazing testimonial to hear for me for this because this was the first major work that i endeavored to do i put myself in isolation i was on a plant dieta <laughs> yeah in british columbia and i'd been working on it before but i literally just meditated and wrote this thing for like 12 hours a day for like three weeks straight and got the majority of it done through then and then kind of worked on it ended up at forty thousand words i was so proud i thought it was going to be a book and i showed it to <laughs> ryan holiday and i was like look at this this is going to be my first book and he's like yeah no mm. no it's too broad it covers yeah. too many topics it goes it's too expansive like maybe this is three books but it's not one and i was like well fuck i don't want to i turn did this too much <laughs> i don't want to turn this into three books yeah and i really understand that now that i wrote on the day and i understand how much you have to put into each concept because on the day is just a slice of what this would have been right exactly like so now, now I realize like, oh yeah, this is way too broad. So the only way that actually it could make sense was to do it in an online course where it had some guidance, had some practices, had some exercises, and was able to be a map that people could digest, not yeah. like a book, but digest with dialogue and community involved. So that's why we made it a course. And the story of how I found this course is a story that if my 19-year-old self heard, he'd be like, fuck you, dude. And it's, I got fired from a job that I hated. I was a call center manager, and I basically learned how to do my job better by doing less, and then my boss found out and basically fired me, but didn't like, 
So the day I got fired, the day I got fired, I saw the ad for this and it was the day before it launched. And I'd never bought an online course. And I bought this fucking course. And um, over the next year, like it, I worked it on it. And like I, in tandem with reading Mastery by Robert Greene, that book and this course provided a, a map for me about like, I had a huge, I still have a huge ego, but I had a big ego as a kid where I thought I could do it on my own. And I didn't even understand the idea of like apprenticeship or to be a student and go for your win in tandem with mastery, like gave me the right mindset and the map for me to, you know, start to create my dream life. Yeah. And that's fucking, that's dope because the purpose was, all right, what's the, I mean, I was really kind of writing this for my younger self for, for one. Sure. Like what would fucking 25 year old Chris Marcus need to fucking read? And that used to be my name. I changed yeah. my name when I was like 30. Mm -hmm. I was actually born Michael Aubrey Christopher Marcus, which was a full pain in the ass because everybody called me Chris, but I would check into a is hotel. My name was names? Michael. Four Fuck first you, names. Dude. I know, right? I was like, this is so annoying. And then I did ayahuasca and I was like, you know what? I'm going to change my name so I could change it to Chris. I needed to change my name. I could change it to Chris. Or I was like, or I could just fucking totally flip the script and start a new you know new point of demarcation where everything from this point forward is different and it felt like everything was yeah. different after that first round of ayahuasca and uh so i went aubrey which is my grandfather's name and i'm fucking super glad i did because i certainly don't feel like chris but anyways i was chris then for sure that's who i was and chris that Jin. dude sorry no, that was bad topher <laughs> <laughs> Topher. I could have gone by Topher. <laughs> no, you couldn't have. No, you couldn't have. I could have. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, Chris Marcus really, you know, was just searching and stressing and trying to figure shit out and had no had no structure. Would get little morsels from different people and different things and different books and different ideas. But like the overwhelming thing was like I needed just something I could hold on to something that provided a map an escalation of like okay focus on these things these things and these things and like run that run that circle until i could continue to evolve to the point where i got to because i was fumbling around largely blind in the dark and this was you know so this was for chris marcus and then everybody else who's in their chris marcus phase because that's an archetype the chris marcus the of 25 course, just partying a little so partying a little too much kind of doing okay like i had you know i had some successes and i was able to sell fake vaginas which i'm pretty sure everybody in the whole world can sell a fake vagina <laughs> it's not hard to do it's like selling fleshlights it's like the easiest job in the world but like working in a fucking gold mine gold mining company and like a fucking i did everything man like nutraceuticals gold mines oil and gas biotech fucking fleshlights fucking realty i worked for like a realty i'm know, leaving for a while okay. like yeah like all of these things everything was like kind of failing and kind of not working and i yeah. was like what am i doing what am i doing but instead of really asking what am i doing i really needed to be asking like why am i doing it before i figure out like what am i doing and that's really how this course starts it's like your why your mission like what's your purpose I didn't fucking know. I just wanted to be successful. I wanted to be successful to show my dad that I'm, you know, see dad, I didn't need to go to Goldman Sachs because I'm making it on my own. And yeah. see, you know, inner Chris Marcus, like I am cool and I am strong and I I am successful and I am gonna, you know, I, so I was doing it for all these egoic whys instead of like a real why. Yeah. A real mission, like a real purpose. 
Um, so that's where the course started because that was the thing that I was fucking missing the most. Yeah, and I didn't have mine before I took the course. And like, whenever I get stressed out, I just write down what my mission is. And it just, it brings so much clarity. It puts shit into perspective and it really gives me a sense of um, this thing is, this goal, even if I don't achieve it, pursuing it is worth all the pain, all the suffering, all the obstacles, all the lessons. And it's, it's the ultimate tuner, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it sets the, it sets the framework. You know, it sets the framework for everything else that you can see through. It's and it's funny, like when I'm when I feel lost even now, you know, like when I'm stressed out even now, it's because I'm losing sight of my mission, which I actually just reconsolidated, interestingly, and I, I shared that with you. Yeah. I lose sight of of that mission and then I'm then I'm sidetracked and then I'm kind of lost and then I'm stressed and then I'm worried about it. But when you have like a very clear mission and you know then you know really what to do. Yeah. You know, because you know what the mission what the mission demands. And you know, for me, just, you know, to share with everybody, my mission which used to be very loose, which I think is a, a good place to start and cuz fine to adopt as well or make your mission whatever you want, but mine was uh after being with Don Howard was para el bien de todos for the good of all, which is an expression of serving. And to me, serving always meant doing. So it meant like, what was I going to put out? What podcast right. was I going to make? What books was I going to write? What blog posts was I going to do? What speeches was I going to give? What money was I going to donate? What it was all about my doing. Right. And then since interacting with Paul Selig and also the deep introspective work, I realized probably the most important thing for me to do is to be who I am capable of being. Right. You know, and his final affirmation in, in his latest book that's still unreleased is i have come as love i am love to be that force of embodied consciousness that is just radiating that love and excitement and joy for life and that itself opens up the possibility for other people to be that which is what i wanted to do anyways with all right. the podcasts and the books and everything but like by being that not only will i be able to create better works but I'll also be able to show that hey you can do this too. I'm not fucking special. There's nothing about me. I wasn't born this way. I didn't fucking was born with rainbows coming out of my ass every time I farted. Like you can be this. This is a part of it's every creatable. single human, you know? So this is possible for you. Yeah. And like that is that is the thing. But still when I get lost now, it's because I'm focused on what I'm doing. Right. Rather than like, okay, how am I being now? Am I advancing my being of who I am? Yeah. Or am I just so stressed about what I'm doing? Well, usually I'm stressed about what I'm doing. But that's the, the point of this whole story is, is that it's losing track of that mission. First, number one is to be. Number two is to serve. Number three is to enjoy. And they all work together. Because if I'm being and I'm serving, it. I'm enjoying. You know, like, and if I'm serving, then I'm being. And everything, everything is fucking inter, interlaced yeah. and interlinked and codependent. The thing that I like about this is uh, because I'm 10 years behind chronologically, it, it, it shows what can happen to your mission. And I feel like, because my mission is a very concrete, I want to create the most empirically effective online courses for treating depression and anxiety. <clears throat> a part of me knows that I'm going to get to a part in my life where I'm going to shed that goal and it's going to be about me being. But I feel like if you're young, it's good to pick a specific thing and then start to move towards it. And it's almost like the goal 
hones your being till you get to the point where you don't need the goal to be the type of thing that will achieve that type of goal. Or you need to actually achieve the goal to realize the goal was never the thing in the first place anyways. I'll talk to you when I'm 40. Like, yeah. like that's the thing. Like <clears throat> you can, you have to at least get enough traction in those kind of, those kind of tangible material elements of, mm. of your goals to realize like, okay, I can't, I did this and I can do this, but it didn't yield that ultimate satisfaction, that ultimate happiness yeah. that I want to feel for my life, the ultimate sense of deep fulfillment, you know? And I think for me, like, look, I fucking created on it. I wrote a New York Times bestseller. I got this podcast. I got all of these things, but that, what am I going to do? Just keep chasing more things? Like I can fucking see the diminishing return on mm -hmm. the chasing of things. I enjoy the things, but they don't bring me any particular like, yay like i don't right. like go rub my fucking you know accolades every day and just let them fill me with right. warmth like yeah. i don't fucking i don't think about it that way it doesn't work so i can either tilt myself towards more things which will equally be i'll be happy that i did them but it, it won't give me the satisfaction or i could go for the big goal which is to be in a state where i'm in presence in consciousness yeah. in awareness in love and then trust that all the things that flow from that state will be even better and i'll enjoy them more and i'll enjoy the ups and the downs and and all will work in its own accord but i don't think i would have been able to discard any of my emphasis because i'm still having a hard time discarding my emphasis on the doing i'm yeah, still sure. last night like i'm not talking like oh yeah you know like a few years ago I still have no like now i'm still having trouble discarding the doing in favor of the being but i'm making progress and when i remind myself of the being like i'm so much happier today you saw me yesterday for sure i'm way happier today <laughs> yeah. why am i way happier today because somewhere around 9 p.m last night when i was taking a shit and thinking about things i really realized like oh what if i just focused on being now instead of worrying about all the things that i need to do i was like oh oh yeah that feels good that feels good focus yeah. on being and then i was like happier you know like absolutely, absolutely. like then because i felt everything felt right and it was about reorienting myself to my mission but that but like you said that mission wouldn't have been the right mission i wouldn't have understood it. i wouldn't have been able to wasn't the right mission for my earlier self for that time, part yeah for that period of time and i think what the course is designed to do is to help get you through whatever mission you are it leaves space for a grander mission like this where i want to be but also smaller intentions and goals and because it goes from mission to vocation to profession you know to connections to vibration. vibration you know like all of the different elements that can help you achieve these things in the physical and the material and the advice and the quotes and the understandings and the practices that can help you whatever your whatever your orientation towards accomplishment yeah is two images came up when you were describing that that um resonate and the first one is like having your goals is like you see a tree in the garden of eden and it's got fruit and you want to go eat the fruit and you're really focused on eating the fruit and you start to eat the fruit and you realized oh eve is at the trunk of the tree and i can dance and just be as opposed to trying to go up and grab the fruit over and over and over again but it's like you have to eat the fruit to realize that that's not why you were put here right. and then the other thing is it's like the map or the goal is the thing that becomes the cocoon you know so like the caterpillar and like the caterpillar is all the well i could do this i could be that but you're sitting on the couch smoking weed talking about it 
but like actually going for your win is the cocoon that will eventually show you that you can just be. You can, I was going to try to pun with butterfly, but you can just be. Mm -hmm. You can just become a being. And and that's really like, so it was interesting, you know, like uh, last night, again, I mean, so many things always happen <laughs> so fast. But last night, anyways, Whitney is in the part of her career. She's in the she's in the start of on it part of her career like yeah. her her career as a love and relationship coach is coming together she's meeting dr wednesday martin coming up when this podcast released this will have already happened um but she's meeting wednesday martin putting on some events and like really it's going so well like the people she's working with are just so thrilled and her yeah. body of knowledge from being in the crucible of this incredible challenge for five years and her personal understanding of these situations that aren't that isn't theoretical that so isn't much deeper than wisdom yeah or right. than reading yeah exactly this is like somatic knowledge that she's able to express to people and be like oh yeah jealousy yeah let me talk to you about that like i know <laughs> I about stories that bro yeah. this isn't i'm not going to be quoting freud for it here but i'll fucking <laughs> yeah. quote you know 2017 Whitney, month yeah. of september you know my own life do you want me to get my diet that's out? so funny so, but she's in this spot where <clears throat> she's in this place where everything is starting to pick up momentum and i mm -hmm. see this like anxiety and worry and and it just reminds me of me when i was starting on it which was like oh my god oh my god i can't believe this is happening is this actually happening like my i'm actually in my career holy shit how's it gonna break what's gonna happen it's all gonna fail isn't i'm not good enough <laughs> like and i watched her doing that and i was like that's yeah. i was like listen like the only advice i would give myself the only thing i would change is like smile more trust more it's all going to be all right because i didn't I, I wasn't there in the process i wasn't enjoying the process i was so goal focused right. and so fear of the thing that i wanted my whole life that was happening i was so afraid that i was gonna get fucking swiped out sweep the leg johnny underneath <laughs> me and i was gonna fall on my back like yeah. i was so worried about that that i wasn't like really enjoying it and i think you know so that's another thing that I think is permeated through this course that your win is the going for the win. So remember, like whatever stage you're in, like remember to enjoy that shit too. Like like Whitney, like enjoy this shit now, even though it's a little bit more than you think you can handle and it's, I can't believe this is happening. Is this real? All those thoughts like, but still take your time to smile and like trust. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's something that I was also trying to tell my younger self and i still am telling my current <laughs> self you know like yeah smile more trust more it's beautiful to see in a lot of people's lives that are really focused on trying to be better that they become the human that they needed when they started trying to become something you know mm -hmm. so like i noticed that i write for my 18 year old self like i write for that <clears throat> scared compensating egotistical dude who's afraid of the divine who just wants to see life through science and it's honed my voice and like go for your win was what you needed you know mm -hmm. 10 years prior yep and then all right so understand like where you're going how you how to get there how to form the connections how to hold the a vibration that attracts people rather than repels people how to differentiate between your professions and your vocations and how you're going to make money and what your passions are and sure. how all that works okay that was the first morsel and that's why when i presented it to ryan holiday I was like okay that could be a book uh, but i didn't stop there i was like <laughs> well i also need to train skills like there's exactly. so many skills that i needed and these skills harness belief practice stillness wield choice cultivate toughness assimilate experience like those were all the things that I needed to like 
practice. Like practice makes the master. I needed to learn how to use belief and weaponize it. Like learn how to use and wield choice. You know, this is I talked about it some in, in Own the Day. You know, that ability, that superpower we have to mentally override that thing that we use to get in the cold water because we know it's good for us. The thing that we use to choose the healthy meal when we know we're going to feel better yeah. when we eat it. You know, like all of these things that we need to start practicing now so that we have these skills and have these fucking masteries inside us so that we can utilize them when we're actually going towards our purpose. It's like the beginning is you, like the first section is you putting the coordinates in the GPS. Mm -hmm. The second section is all about how you actually move the vehicle there. Yep. And dude, I use this stuff every day. And like, it sounds like a cliche, but I use this stuff every day. Like I meditate <clears throat> every day. I try to do yoga unless my back starts to act up on me and then I got to go to the PT. But now we have a PT <laughs> on it, so that's beautiful. Yep. But picking what you're going to try to do is the most important piece, but then you have to go do the doing. Yep. And um, yeah, I use this stuff every fucking day as we all should like this is not something that it's like you learn it you got it and it, there's this is fractally deep yeah you know practicing stillness that's fucking fractally deep the rest of my life you know like that's some like what are the monks doing the whole time they're practicing stillness where presence and connection to your knowing actually happens but they're doing it for their whole lives still practicing <laughs> you know like yes yeah. what am i what do you do what have you been doing for the last 30 years i don't know practicing stillness like it's not like it's not like it's something like got it stillness cool bro you know it's not like you're playing operation and your hand isn't <laughs> fucking vibrating I'm talking right. like full holistic the totality of stillness and like what are the tools that can help you get there and help you like cultivate that what's been your personal favorite stillness practice because you don't seem to get still you seem to be very being. I get temporarily incredibly still right now. And it's a, the interesting thing is like when I read Tom Brown's Awakening Spirits and that's a lot of his wisdom is permeated through that book. Yeah. Like he talks about stillness as a choice. So it's, it's almost this mental override power to just get still doesn't mean i choose it all that often but like i've learned enough cultivated through psychedelics through meditation through sensory deprivation through meditation through you know all of the different tools i've learned what that feels like and i learned that i can get there when i really trust and yeah. when i'm really willing to do it um and that's i think that's i think how i use it now i i could certainly use it better you know like i could do it more and that would be only a benefit. But like at any point in time, I can get still enough to ask my knowing. Yeah. Like, okay, what's my knowing? And I can even do that now in the heaviest emotional turbulence, which is rad and something I've had to train as well because I've had a lot of emotional turbulence <laughs> over the last year. But training to get still enough to go to my knowing. And then um, it's become kind of a choice to a certain degree. Now there's certain tools that i use there's a meditation by this guy named muji mm -hmm. that's my favorite guided meditation for now i can't listen to myself do a guided meditation you know i like mine and i like the sacred silence meditation very visualization heavy very 
movement heavy but muji's that's on uh we'll put this in the in the show notes uh muji's meditation that's on spotify it's fucking so dope like drops me in so deep into stillness we're playing we got a sample going Uh, from ryan giles ryan giles couldn't wait he couldn't wait he's like i want it now i want that fucking stillness now so i'm in the room uh i was making eye contact with you when you said that and i know my experience i felt a thing that my 18 year old self would be like you're making that shit up so i'm personally interested in what steps you would give someone who wants to be able to access that type of stillness on command in the middle of a podcast right after a question because <laughs> that was an event for me yeah that was it was real and it's a it's a it's a funny thing that it's a funny thing that you know it's you know it's real it's why when i give a lot of my speeches i'll have people take six deep breaths because that actually there's a tangible shift now this is proven in that japanese study that i quote all the time and it's in the book that six deep breaths well, what did they measure they measured blood pressure they measured you know your brain waves they measured certain there's certain quantifications that you can make but there's an intangible quantification right. like we were talking about at the very start of this conversation there's some intangibility that's something that an ai wouldn't be able to feel my hypothesis now i don't want to put caps on what ai right. could feel but there's that thing that can come through and perfuse through all the cells and actually create an energetic understanding that i think is the specialness of humanity you know like something that we're able to project to one another that isn't quantifiable by machines at this point except you know we can measure brain waves we can measure certain elements of what's happening to the body when it's there and i think you just have to you just have to touch it enough times and there's that's why i listed so many ways to touch it yeah and then once you know that you're there you can you can get the shortcuts to it but sometimes the first time you touch it has to be a long process and for me that was certainly the case but the more times you touch it the easier it is to build shortcuts back to that place where you can access it and what's like kind of blown my mind as i'm witnessing this is because i can see the younger part of me instantly start to try to weave stories about how what i experienced wasn't valid Mm -hmm. you know but like i'm getting to a point in the last couple of years where i'm really starting to connect to the fact that the most fundamental piece of evidence you as an individual will ever have access to is your experience. And then you can use language to, you know, put your feet back on the ground after an experience because some experiences will fucking blast you off into the atmosphere. But it's it's interesting to see that I'm still witnessing that in my mind during the podcast that the moment after it happened, I started, a piece of my ego started to create stories like, nah, nah, <laughs> nah yeah no i get it and i think that's something you learn too like i've had a lot of experiences with dmt a lot of experiences and at first the experiences that you always want to talk about oh i saw this and i saw this and the colors were this and the place was this but the magic for me is when all of that fades and then all of that is done and there's just that deep stillness that comes and like you can think about that with yoga too like the real treasure the pearl of yoga is shavasana completely agree like it's that moment where your whole body is just awareness you know and you're in awareness and that's why they tell you okay wiggle your fingers wiggle your toes i'm always like no nah, not yet not yet not, and they're like <laughs> turn over on your side i'm like nope 
Nope, 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 nope. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit I in this for 55 oh, minutes I'm to gonna, get here. Yeah, yeah, I'm Give gonna, me 10 minutes. I'm gonna sit there for a little bit longer. I've been, yeah. I've been sweating for this thing. I've been pushing against my resistance. I've been using my breath and the movement and the release and the surrender and the acceptance and all of this to get to this moment where I can be still. Oh God, that feels good. And that's, and that's the same with like a DMT experience. Yes, sometimes there's incredible value and incredible lessons and insight and feels like little doctors are working on my brain and moving my jaw around and fixing things. And what I've had incredible things that have happened, but really ultimately it's the stillness that comes on the backside of that that is the most valuable and precious part of it and i think that's you know that's what we try to touch and that's what we try to access and and then you know the path is to just get better and better at that but that's what the second part of this thing is it's not only stillness but it's how to use belief belief that you you know that you can get there that you can build shortcuts yeah. that you can do it and then the choice and then toughness too like toughness and courage and the these elements where it's like oh i i can withstand this like i can with i can walk into this cold water and i don't need to flinch and i don't need to make a big deal about it you know even for me like thinking about this past year for me you know i launched own the day i'm talking about cold plunge for the most for the most part of this past year <clears throat> if i was going to do that you know i have that chest freezer it's at like 38 degrees 40 degrees something's fucking frigid i needed like witnesses to like witness me be courageous and like hold me accountable and like and that was the level of toughness that i had at that point you know the level of choice that i had mastered at that point where yeah i could do it but i needed like i needed like hurrah yeah. <laughs> i needed like some help yeah and then ultimately the more i practice it's just i can quietly slip out the door quietly slip into the water and quietly you know go underneath and quietly emerge a better person without making a fuss yeah you know and that's that's cultivating toughness you know that kind of toughness to be able to withstand without resistance and those are all skills that you got to use in every situation use them in you know cash flow crisis in your business or personal emotional difficulty or all of these challenges like yeah. you gotta be tough and there's a wisdom to cultivating toughness that is interesting that i've seen play out in my life more and was identified in the story that you just told and it's like some people will pay lip service to wanting to cultivate toughness and then they begin in such a way that injures them or keeps them from having to actually mm. cultivate the toughness but like i know that when i commit to something and i'm doing it from a place of like knowing and not from a place of ego i instinctually understand that a part of me is a fucking child and that i have to bring it forward towards the toughness to actually bring it out in him but like if i'm doing something out of ego i'll go in the gym and do something i shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. and then i you know and then i don't have to cultivate that toughness for three weeks you know yeah yeah it's like see how when you're trying to say like see how tough i am world right you know like let me show you you know there's like almost like an anger and an insecurity that's driving it which is ultimately faulty 100%. and judgmental and like but real toughness like asks for none of that it asks for no you don't need a fucking round of applause when you're done from yourself or from anybody you're not proving anything to anybody yeah. you're just you just are it's a, it's a it is part of your being it is just knowing that this this is something that you can withstand and withstand with a fucking smile you know and that's i think 
that's the reality of it it's the difference between that first person taking that first fight it's like i'm gonna be if and i was in that position i was training for a fight we were talking about this before that we started rolling like i was training for a fight before i got in a street fight why because i wanted to show the world that i was tough yeah show the world that i could or show myself that i could really because sure. showing the world is like another way to show your own super ego that judgmental part of yourself look at me look at me look at me i am see i'll step in the ring see i'm not afraid see see everybody see basically see self you know, see self i'm tough you know but then you you meet someone like tim kennedy you know walking around in his ranger booty shorts (laughs) you know and just a big old smile and big old hug he fucking knows he's tough he doesn't it's not like not like look at me look how tough i am everybody you know and that's the same with every really high level champion fighter that i've ever seen like they're the last person that's going to start some shit to prove they're tough or like have to prove anything because they know it and that's been their path of knowing but there's many many paths like that what that path pays a heavy cost it pays a cost in traumatic brain injury pays a cost in wear and tear on your body but it is one way to learn and i've been blessed that way to learn you know for sure but there's other ways and i think the course is just talking about it in generality knowing that there's countless ways up the mountain absolutely and that no matter where your mountain is pointed one of the essential skills, that's why it's called essential skills, is toughness. Mm-hmm. And I and uh, I think it was Jordan Peterson brought up this, like an interesting perspective that when you're in your early 20s, you should purposefully go too hard to see where your limit is and then calibrate back from there for the rest of your life. Mm. And I feel like that's something that I've tried to embrace since I started working here is like, how much is too much? And I don't think I found it yet. And I'm still kind of trying to push to see like how much stuff is too much stuff. Mm -hmm. And then once I get to 110% and things start to get wobbly and weird, then like I kind of know how hard I can work. And I think that that's one of the um, gifts that college gave me is that it was the first in my life that I was, that I dealt with adversity. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't live with my family anymore. My parents had it gone. So they weren't able to give me any type of advice and I had to try for the first time, you know? And it's, and we were talking about this before, but like some of the best moments of my life have been when I went from carefree to the next second, a life-threatening situation. And then a thing came online inside of me that showed me I'm so much more capable than my ego, which is playing this weird game of being small. Yeah. Plays. Yep. Yeah, man, these are the skills. But, and then you're practicing these skills utilizing and in response to some of the resistance that exists and that's part three of this capital r so like second module two which is training the essential skills again could have been another book but we put it in this course and then part three is then overcoming resistance but not overcoming it as looking at it purely as an enemy but looking at it also as an ally like these are the things that we sharpen our sword against like yes okay this may be a coarse grindstone but our spirit is the sword that needs the coarse diamond grindstone to grind against and some of those things fear attachment what i call the demon which is another word for delusion ignorance and apathy you know these are the five kind of forces of resistance that I was always encountering and I'm still encountering in different ways, you know, and and then trying to understand what these forces of resistance are and trying to come up with the strategies on how to utilize them, the resistance as assistance, and also to overcome them when they're 
pressing down on you and they got their fucking they're holding you down and they're breathing down your throat like how do you deal with fear attachment delusion ignorance and apathy the fear section is the section that when i took this course the first time that that changed my life before that moment my relationship with fear was an unconscious the moment i feel fear anywhere in my sphere of the world i retreat from it Mm. that was my default and it's one of those things where it's a cliche when you hear someone say it but it's fucking life-altering when you feel it and after that section i started doing small things that like i was afraid to do like i didn't like to drive like in austin i got into a car accident when i was on way too much weed when i was young and i was terrified of driving and like I would make dates where my goal for Saturday was to drive to Austin and to go somewhere and then to drive home. And then it just, it started this fucking cascade effect that I really, I think that that's the moment that I started to do the things that led me to being here. Mm -hmm. And it was by changing my disposition towards fear. And we talked about it on a previous podcast, but one of the life changing perspective ideas that I've um, come to terms with the past year is that resistance is actually my greatest ally in me becoming who I could be. And it's almost like if you dare to tell the universe that you want to become something worth remembering, the universe is like, okay, I'm going to give you the opponent in life, which is going to be all of the resistances that will make you capable of becoming that. Mm-hmm. And it's like the bigger you dare ask, like you're gonna get the worthiest adversary that for the rest of your life is gonna be your most intimate friend. It's gonna be the thing that will constantly call you forward. Or or the universe will spit out these new bosses for the right. new boss battle. And like after you if you conquer one, it'll shift, and it'll for shift, sure. and it'll shift, it'll and it'll shift, over. and it'll shift. And then until you reach a state where which i do believe is possible where you reach a state that you know resistance is so appreciated and you're so grateful for it that the reframing of it that to call it resistance would be like an insult to it Mm. you know and so that you're in such radical acceptance of the binary nature of polarity itself that it's like oh you're oh you're you're calling that resistance it's assistance yeah it's this is just everything this is just life this is just polarity itself and i fucking love polarity that's why i came here and then the whole thing is so radically reframed that it no longer it no longer carries that same weight and that connotation that it once had and i think that's the place that we're all going to now some of these are some of these are tricky though like the last one i put in there is apathy and that one's like that one right there is i think that one is very complex because that's when you like you don't care well the reasons why you don't care is some amalgamation of fear and lack of perspective and ignorance and delusion delusion, all of the things kind of wrapped up that just forces you to withdraw and say like nah i don't really care anyways well which is really just letting yourself off the hook maybe your own self judge is too high maybe you're afraid you're not good enough maybe you're afraid that you know you're going to get hurt maybe you're ignorant of you know who you really are or maybe the delusion has convinced you that everybody else is a shithead and you know like whatever uh, could be a combination of all of these different things and then i you know i've felt moments of apathy too and then the and all of these have like the anic the antidote 
to it and the antidote to apathy is love you know like when you really love then that's the last thing you're going to be like love is the antipathy of of apathy yeah apathy is one of those ones where like it's it's one of the stages of the hero's journey and it's the refusal of the call and apathy feels like every single human that exists if they tap in they know that apathy is a lie like the fact of your existence is proof of meaning you know yeah and to to create a story of apathy every single human i've ever met personally who had who was apathetic all of them were people with potential who weren't who had a story about why they shouldn't have to dance with resistance you know and 100 percent of the people i have met that has been basically the core idea is that the meaning of life was so much but that their story was that it shouldn't be like this i i think that you know mm-hmm. i think it's ted decker who says don't shit on yourself don't shit on yourself yeah yeah that's that's it or that it's like there's there's a tendency i think that human beings have when we're afraid to acknowledge how good it might be because we know we're going to have to give it back and that goes back to attachment oh, right wow. like yeah like if you really are really present for making love to your lover wow. your favorite lover and you're just every fucking kiss the feel of her lips on yours that kind of intangible thing of your hearts connecting and the smell of their body and the movement and the sighs that come out of the mouth and the way that the body feels and the pleasure that rushes through your skin whether it's her hands rubbing through your hair or the feeling of intercourse itself or all of that if you're really super present for that and realize like oh shit we may not be together we may never have this experience again because we could break up but even if we don't we're going to get old and we're going to die and i'm going to have to give this up anyway so you know what i'm going to check out and not really enjoy this because well i'm going to have to give it up at some point and if it's this fucking good how can i ever give it up i'm going to be attached you know and we can do that with eating a fucking peach you know like if being really present is terrifying because contained in the pleasure of the presence is the knowledge that we gotta let it go i've never made that connection which now it seems like duh but (laughs) this is like that because of how good it could be because we all know that we're gonna die like all of us know that it's almost like i'm not gonna try because that end point when i meet that thing at the end of time like it's i guess the delusional fear is that it's going to be harder Mm -hmm. and i heard uh, a psychologist say the other day that your entire life is an ebb and flow between uh attachment and detachment that beautiful things come by you and have a gravity and they pull you but eventually they leave and you pull back and then you feel the void of the thing that was there like that's one of the things about dmt for me that when i come back i tend to cry a lot and it's because the feeling like the gravitational well in the experience when i come back to my meat suit existence i i know that it won't ever be like that or at least while the ego is operating while i'm like doing the work even if i'm in the best love moment with you know anyone there's this sense of like sadness and then i guess there's almost like a small fear of to to go back to that place to know that i'm going to come back and then it's you know yeah i mean i i could see that for the i could see that for the psychedelic space and i think for me 
that fear is alleviated by the fact that I feel like that space is the space we do get permanent access to when we die. So like, that's not the thing, <laughs> I need I'm, that story that's to not the thing I'm worried yeah. about, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, this is where I'm going when I die anyway. So I'll be back here. So I'm not worried about holding on to this feeling. I see where you're so, going. So like when I smoke 5-MeO-DMT and I like merge with the somatic body of God, it wasn't like, oh, fuck, I need to hold on to this. Because yeah, it was perhaps the best, single best feeling I've ever felt. It was like every orgasm that the entire world had had all at once, along with every scream, along with every cry, along with every smile along with every yell it was all the things how could you get a better feeling than that but when the shaman asked me if i wanted to go again i was like no no no, i'm good like this is for later yeah like but when i cry and i cry all the time now because and what i think it is is like for example so i did those musical podcasts recently in la and i was amazing musician citizen cope and mike posner and ellie Dewey, like playing music in front of me and pouring their soul into the music and I've heard all of these songs before, but like really hearing them, you know, because I was still and because I was present and because perhaps the podcast drove me into that greater stillness and yeah. the moment and the, also the proximity and all of these things. Like I cried at every song. Mm-hmm. Finally, at the end, when Ellie was playing her guitar, I was like, I fucking can't take it anymore. <laughs> I can't take feeling this much anymore. And I was half kidding, but what it was, the tears were a recognition of like, I've heard all these songs before but not really let myself yeah. listen to them, not really let them flow through me. And so I start to cry. And this is any moment of love with a lover, any time. I cry sometimes when I'm eating food because I've eaten the same food and not appreciated it. And when I'm there and I'm present and I'm appreciating, I cry because I realize like, how many times did I eat this meal and not really, not really be there to taste it? How many times did I make love? How many times did I look in Whitney's eyes but not really see her how many times have I done this and it'll make me weep to realize like it's so good and it's here and it's available and it's not even you know it's not even so much the fear anymore of having to lose it it's just the what really I'm looking back on is the sadness of denying it you know knowing that I could have felt that strongly the whole time I mean could have like I wasn't able to yet and this is the pathway of learning but you know, go to that moment where you die. You, you really think you're going to regret that you love shit so much that you missed it? No, no. <laughs> you're not going to fucking regret that. You're going to regret that you didn't enjoy it. That it could have been that fucking good. It could have been that good. You could have felt it all the way, all the way to the extreme. You could have let it all in. Like if we let it all in, like fuck, we win. We win. We win. We win the whole. We win the whole way. Every moment of that is is a win you know so going for the win that's like going for these moments it's going for the achievement which isn't even achievement it's the acceptance of what could be called the kingdom of heaven which is right here right now in the present moment available to us always it could be that good if we allow it to be and that's just on the other side of fear and attachment it's like the cheat code to going for your win is to recognize that the moment, or is just to recognize the moment in love, which sounds like a cliche, but it's something that like, when you experience, all of this is worth it. Every moment is worth it. So pick the right mission, train the skills, and dance with resistance. That's it. Because they'll never, you'll never, you'll never have to ask like that existential, existential question of like, why am I even here? What am I doing in this life or this body? You like live one of those moments. You're like, 
35 years of suffering worth it worth it it's so worth it true for this man fucking kiss worth it for this fucking moment like yeah i'll make that trade like it's so rich and so good and so unique to being in this body and being in this human existence like it just recalibrates everything and then you don't ask you don't ask why anymore about not the big why of like why am i here it's like oh duh of course like because i get to feel this shit and that's you know hopefully this course helps to get people a little bit closer and more accessible to that i know it the the understandings here in the writings that has helped me immensely so you know that's what we wanted to do and i want to give a ton of credit to you for going back through and enriching this from the first time that we launched it with so many more practices i mean Thirty-seven thousand words now somewhere close to forty-five thousand because of so many more experiences and practices and things that we've layered through um but keeping like keeping the integrity of the structure and the original words but adding in all of your expertise from psychology and then still once again like cultivating that community element which is still like i mean how many of your friends now are friends from all of my friends in austin not all probably 90 percent of my closest friends here that I don't work with are all from Go For Your Win. And that's fucking fucking beautiful, man. You know, I mean, and obviously we have the the Fit for Service Fellowship, which has taken, you know, taken some people and I'm leading them through this year-long course. But this is way more accessible and like has actual like a body of content rather than, you know, the spontaneous interaction, but it has both. It has the community that we're cultivating as well as this kind of curriculum absolutely you know this escalation through the different channels so i'm just stoked to be able to you know offer this in this kind of reboot same it's it changed my life and i feel like i see i see you know because anyone who writes a book the moment they write the book they're kind of like ah you know like i wrote the book i see the soul in in this idea and like what it did to my life and all my friends like and I want to do everything that I can to show this to as many people as possible so they can, the idea that some words and some practices and a community can take someone from apathy to love is worth all the hours, all the work, all the writing, all the trying, all the failing, period. Okay. Hey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody. God's another epic conversation. I love you, man. I appreciate you you so much. And you guys, too. We will see you soon. Peace. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast with Eric Godsey as much as I did. You can, of course, follow him on the gram. Or please, if you're interested, check out goforyourwin.com. It's available. has a bunch of information on there. And give it a go. There's also a way you can sign up to get a free sample of the course, get an idea of what that's like and then see if it's for you. But once again, there's a limited amount of time that Course 3 is going to be available. So please check it out as soon as you can. And that's goforyourwin.com. Thank you so much, everybody. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.